Another Way to Play, episode 132. An unhealthy drive can drive you to get somewhere, but ultimately, if you're not actually being true to yourself and who you really are, then you will start, your body will start to break down like it did for me, which is like, I'm, I'm not being true to myself. And there's actually a great book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And a few of the top regrets where I, I didn't live a life true to myself. Hi, this is Simon Level, creator of the Super High Performance Formula. And if you want to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina. And if you're someone who has reached their pinnacle, reached their goal, and wondered, what do I do next? Is this all there is? Then this is the episode for you. Today's guest is Simon Lovell. He is the creator of the Super High Performer Formula and author of The Black Ball of Entrepreneurship. He has some really fantastic insight into why business owners and entrepreneurs specifically uh, really don't hit their peak performance and why so many people are on the outside materially looking uh, quite happy and quite well off, but they're miserable on the inside. Uh, He's got some personal experience with this. He talks about his uh, personal development journey and how that ultimately took him to this very profound experience, which he talks about at the end of the episode um, that involved a black ball, which ultimately was the impetus to his writing the book. Uh, So lots of of great information here. I don't want to spoil it all for you. So this is one you're going to want to listen to probably a few times. And if you do listen to it at least once, get and you get value out of it, head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you're on and leave a rating and review because it really helps me grow. The algorithm loves it. So do I. Uh, and I really enjoy the comments and the feedback as well. So it helps me just make a better overall podcast. So thanks in advance for that. Appreciate you guys who've taken action on that as well. And without any further ado, let's get into it with Simon Lovell. Simon, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. I am so excited to be here to share with your audience for sure. Well, let's get into it then. Um, you know, you've got the book, The Black Ball, and you've also got uh, the, the tagline of super high performer. Why don't you give us just a little bit of oversight before we dive into all that, what that is and, and where it all came from? So after going through my entrepreneurial journey and really reaching the height of my ego and getting everything that I thought I wanted, <laughs> um, I wasn't really happy and I actually wasn't fulfilled. And so the reason why I use the phrase super high performer is that I feel uh, that high performance can be a little bit dangerous in the respect of we know that there are so many high performers out there that end up taking their lives. Why? 
you know, they're, they're, they're achieving, they're crushing it, they're, you know, getting shit done, so to speak. But deep down, there's a lack of happiness, there's a lack of fulfillment, there's a lack of joy. And so their option is to, is to end it all. And so I think that the phrase of high performer is, uh, is great, but I wanted to introduce this level, which is super high performance, which is where really you have let go of the limitations you have let go and you've dealt with the things from the past you have really tapped into self-love fully and now you are operating from a strong foundation based upon self-love well said can you give us an example of a couple of people who you think fit that model of super high performer because like hypothetically we can all kind of understand what that means but practically what does it look like for you well you know, I look at people like Oprah, you know, I look at, you know, entrepreneurs who are more spiritually connected. And and the thing is, is that nobody's life is perfect. It's just that they handle situations differently. And this is all really about, for me, what I call emotional business intelligence. It's bringing in emotional intelligence and the importance of that, and then bringing that into business so that we can see how that actually plays into our reactions, what we do, how we behave. and ultimately, not just for us, but the people that we impact directly. So we have the relationship with ourselves, which is most important, primary, then the relationship with other people, which is our closest, closest proximity. And then are the people in our business, you know, employees, our prospects, our clients delivering our service to those people. I think that a lot of people do it backwards, right? They focus on one thing, but they neglect something else. And, and arguably they probably focus on delivering the client or, or getting the check cashed or closing the deal or what have you and forget about the internal care and, and the self-love, self-care, whatever you want to talk about it, the relationship with yourself as part of that relationship that you spoke about a second ago. Well, when we burn out, what we're doing is we're not listening to ourselves. We're not attuned to ourselves and our body. We're not listening to the signals. We ignore them. And then that's why we then don't attune to other people. And so we become disconnected. We become isolated. We become impatient, compulsive. It's the race. It's the chase. It's the, my ego is so active. And I'm talking about, by the way, <laughs> how I used to operate, right? Which is just a very, uh, a very egoic state of chasing to reach somewhere when actually I can reach that state straight away within me. And so I spent a lot of my years just being in this place of um, just really seeking validation a lot. And I, I, it was like, it not, nothing was ever enough. It had to be this and the next thing and the next thing. And, and you get to a certain point and you just realize this is never ending. And so you have to start to reevaluate. Do you think that that's like a, a human issue or like a cultural thing, or is it related to, you know, our addiction to cell phones and social media? Like, where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from, for me, it came from early, uh, you know, conditioning, I think, of aspirational people and, and, and a so-called life, which I thought was the be-all and end-all. But for me personally, it also came from bullying and trauma. And that's not spoken a lot about in the entrepreneurial world. Um, and uh, most people don't understand that they have experienced trauma. These are the, these are the events from our past, our timeline events where something's happened. The event that happens causes us to not feel good enough and not have the love that we deserved. And now we start to fill that void with something else, which is extrinsic. It's external. 
Wow. That's well said. So that's a perfect segue. Let's take it back into your story to where you really began with uh, wherever it is. You, you mentioned bullying. I'm sure that's part of it, but let's, let's take it back to where it really started for you. So um, my bullying actually didn't start with other boys at school, which I know that it does for a lot of people. It actually started with a teacher. So I was actually bullied by a teacher. You know, he, he, I was playful. I was happy. I was having fun. I was myself. And then this teacher called Mr. Smith, who didn't like what he saw because obviously something within him, I remember him just being really angry. Um, he, he shut me down. He actually sent me off into a room, into a utility room and said, watch the wallpaper fall off the wall. So imagine if you're six or seven years old and you get told that not just once, but most of the time when you went to see this teacher, what, what stories and meanings are you planting when you're sat literally on a chair in that room basically told to look at the wallpaper fall off the wall. You're, you're saying things to yourself like, I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? I'm bad. And if that happens enough, we start to wire that. And then we start to become even less connected. And then what happens is then when you move into, for example, secondary school when I'm 13, and then the rugby kid at school who's more popular than me, who then decides to bully me, Based upon what happened with Mr. Smith, do I stand up to the bully with confidence or do I cower? Well, I cower. So then because I cower, because of what happened with Mr. Smith, now do I, when I try and get her into a relationship in my teens, is it codependent or is it, unhe- is it healthy? It's codependent. Now when I go to start my business because of what happened with Mr. Smith, is it hard for me to, to put myself out there or am I fearing judgment from other people? So when, pe- when entrepreneurs finally get this, which is a reason why they struggle so much to break through to the next level is because of past events. For example, a father leaving, for example, with one of my, one of my clients who spent a lot of years angry, you know, didn't realize that the reason why he was so angry was because he had unresolved the issue of his dad leaving when he was young. And so this is what a lot of entrepreneurs, that drive for success, that drive for achievement can often be a very unhealthy, um, basically screw you to the bullies or screw you to the person that did me wrong. Yeah. And to that point, that sort of negativity, that chip on your shoulder, that screw you, I'm going to prove you wrong thing it can get you a lot of play. Like it can get you a result. It can get you a bank account full of money or a prestigious job or what have you. And so a lot of people would say that there's pot, you can make it into a positive, right? But you're maybe saying that you have to go back and actually deal with it in a healthy way to really push up to the next level. It gets us somewhere. Yep. But unfortunately it's not sustainable. How's that? So it can put, it can drive you an unhealthy drive can drive you to get somewhere. But ultimately, if you're not actually being true to yourself and who you really are, then you will start, your body will start to break down like it did for me, which is like, I'm, I'm not being true to myself. And there's actually a great book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And a few of the top regrets where I, I didn't live a life true to myself. I was unable to express my feelings. I, I want to be more happy and I want to be more connected. So... The way that I see it, having experienced it, is that, yes, it can give that jolt and it can give that energy of momentum, but then when it comes to happiness and fulfillment, we really need to look at the things internally that make us happy versus the external things, which are bringing a false happiness. I call them happiness shots versus deep fulfillment. 
And how, with your clients and with the people that you work with, how do you go about trying to identify those, those deep happiness moments that, so that you're not just taking shots every day? So it's about finding out what actually truly drives them, right? It's about asking them the questions on what are the things in the past that need to be resolved and then actually what really is going to make you happy, you know? So that can be different for everyone, but a lot of the time for a lot of entrepreneurs, they haven't experienced anything outside of what they're doing in their business much of the time. They've not, they, they let go of the playful side of them when they were young. For example, a big uh, healthy way for me to have overcome my social anxiety was actually improv classes. Now I did that as a means to actually get the fun side back in me. But in doing that, in being in that, I discovered and I rediscovered a part of myself that wasn't afraid of what people thought. And then I enjoyed that because I loved improv, improv when I was at school. Maybe it's playing the guitar for someone. For one of my clients, it was around going and starting up tennis again. So oftentimes, because of business, we, we start to grow and we start to achieve, but then also we lose a sense of ourselves and we lose a part of ourselves, which actually brings that smile and brings that joy, which then is, is passed on to other people. You've got years of this baggage. You've, you've been doing these sort of energy shots, if you will, and it's feeling quite unfulfilling. Um, but you feel like, how do I unsaddle myself with all of this? Like, what is the first step that I need to take in order to really go back to that original version of me, whether it was childhood or early teens or whatever, whenever it happened? Like, how do you wade through all that as, a, as someone who's starting to resonate with what you're saying here? That's a great question. So we've got the things that we are aware of that we're not taking action on. We all have those. And then we have the things that we are unaware of that are causing us pain. And that's why we spend a lot of time in confusion. And so the first step to being able to find out what it is, is to actually start to go into the things that we have suppressed and we've pushed away. For example, if someone's wanted to get out of debt, the worst thing that you can do is just ignore that the debt is there right? You have to actually bring it to the surface and say, this is what the debt is. This is how much it is. And this is how I need to deal with it and tackle it versus going, it will just go away. And that's, I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do is that they have this pain and they try and push it away. Now, and when you push it down, it's going to manifest in another way. It might manifest in an addiction. It might manifest in anger. It might manifest in something else. So for, for it's my job, to get an entrepreneur to be willing, first of all, to be honest with themselves and to be able to go to a place that's uncomfortable emotionally. Because when you're, when you're in this place and you're not fulfilled, it's because you're not willing to go to that place of emotion that's difficult. I'll give you an example of this when it comes to meditation. I hear for, as a lot of, uh, with a lot of entrepreneurs, they say, well, I don't have the time to med meditate and, and any number of excuses. But a big reason why a lot of people struggle to meditate is because when we close our eyes, we're forced to go into a place where, we're, where we feel. And when we are forced to feel, we want to push that away. So it's, it requires you to go towards discomfort in order to live in it, feel it, and, and hopefully deal with it in a positive way. Right, because we've shoved those things down. Because in the past, we had those past events and we don't want to feel them again. And so what we're doing is we're running away from that feeling. You've clearly, got, for lack of a better term, got a formula here or a, a process, if you will, that, that 
I am sitting here nodding along. I'm sure a lot of other people are. How did you develop this in your own life? Like you clearly had these moments of being bullied and having sitting in the corner and having the, the jock at school pick on you or what have you, but like, how did you come out the other side of all of that? Well, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to make a lot of money, but I realized that I wasn't getting and breaking through that, even though I had the strategy. And it was when I was actually in San Diego and I went to an event and I got challenged against my habitual behavior and I actually got worked on. And then suddenly I suddenly realized that the reason why I wasn't breaking through was because I was worried about what people thought of me. And so when you have a, wor- when you have a fear of what people think, by the way, when you say, I, I'm, I worry what people think, it's really people. It's normally somebody. It's one person. So if you worry what people think, identify who, which is like, oh, that, that boss or that mentor, that if I put myself out there, I, I'm going to be worried about what they think. So I'm in this position, I'm trying to break through to my next big month, right? A lot of entrepreneurs, they get to that 10K a month and then they break through and they want to do the 20K and the 30K and the 50K or wherever you are, right? We always want to get to the next level, whether it's financially or whatever we're in. So I wasn't breaking through. And then when I started to let go, and I use this phrase, which is a balloon can't rise if there are weights holding it down. And once we start to identify fear and start to let these and, and cut these weights off, for example, that thought, that limitation, that belief that I had, I started to shift gears because what that, that is doing when you start to deal with fear, it frees up energy. And when you have more energy in your system, that means that you take action. So for example, let's just say a guy wants to ask someone out on a date. Well, if you're frozen in your body because of a past event, you're basically split into two parts and it's not you that's frozen. It's a part of you that's young that's frozen. So if I don't resolve the part of me that's frozen from when I was young, then what's going to happen is I'm still going to stay frozen. And so then when I deal with the part that's in fear and I resolve that and I complete that, it frees up energy for me to take action and move without being in fear and that holding me back. Now, I may still experience fear in the future, but I can see it for what it is and it doesn't stop me because I can say, I see you fear for what you're doing right now, but I'm not going to let you stop me. And I break through, I take action, I move into courage, which then reinforces the part of the brain that then puts me into consistent action. So really what we're doing here is we're manipulating energy and we're also starting to retrain the brain for performance. Blown away on that one. Thank you for sharing all of that. That's super cool. Wrote on on a recent uh, blog, uh, uh, newsletter of mine, something to that extent of like, increasing your average, meaning if you're going to take an action around something positive in your life, it doesn't have to be wholesale change. It just has to be one more than, than the other day. And it strikes me that what you're talking about is basically doing some deep work, going back to uh, whatever it is that, that is holding you back, the person, the memory, the experience, identifying that for what it is and letting that be only what it is. And then using that as, as a way to move forward and change your average or change the trajectory of, of where you're going otherwise. Yeah. And, and then you need a plan. You need a plan for yourself because a lot of people in business, they have a plan for their business, but they don't have a plan. And then you need consistency. And then that consistency of behavior with consequence then retrains the neuro pathways in the brain to, the, to then have a new default and a new default setting of behavior. Because for example, like if you were go to if you're going to go to a gym and then you did like one set of squats and some 
some press-ups, you wouldn't get a great body. You would have to do that through consistency of behavior. So in order to shift performance so that we can increase revenue, increase our relationships, increase every area of our lives, we have to do those streaks repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. For example, another one, meditation. A lot of people's uh, journey of meditation is I get stressed out and then I use an app like calm.com or Headspace and I do it for 10 or 20 minutes. And now I feel better. Well, that's the basic levels of meditation. Actually, there's a turning point at 30 minutes of meditation where the ego starts to fall away and you start to access a new level of intuition, which can be highly beneficial when it comes to um, you know, different business ideas and also healing and different other benefits. But if you're just using meditation as a means to come back to normal, you're also missing the next level of depth. And the way that you get there is through consistency and depth of meditation. So my job when, when I'm working with an entrepreneur is to get them to their first hour because I know what happens at the 30, 40, 50, 60 minute mark versus the typical non-meditator or the five to 20 minute range, which is where most people stick at and they're doing 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe three times a week, but they're inconsistent with it. Mm -hmm. And just like anything, getting, well, first of all, building the muscle to be able to work up to, because to me, you're sitting, I'm, I'm definitely in the 10 to 12 to maybe 20 minute category, 100%. And you saying 50, 60 minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know about that. But is it something using meditation as an example, something that you literally work up with people, you start them at 10 and keep and getting positive reinforcement around the 10 and to the 20 and then up to the 50, 60 world over time, as opposed to doing the, the jump in to the deep end and try and do 50 minutes your first shot. Yeah. I mean, most people will never get to that hour in their lifetime. And so I'm phasing them in six weeks to that. But also a lot of people, what they do is the same type of thing. So it becomes boring. Well, within the different meditations that I do, we're doing it for a specific area. For example, it might be around creativity. It might be around healing. It might be around something else. It might be around tapping into your zone of genius or coming up with an intuitive way to do something for yourself. So when, when an entrepreneur associates, for example, getting more time with meditation, they also associate with breaking through to the next level. They're going to they're gonna want to do it. Because like you're saying right now with that, with that mindset of, oh, I can't do that or it won't benefit me, that becomes a turning point as you're going through the process when you suddenly go, I'm excited to do this. I want to do it because I've experienced what benefits I've got from breaking through to that. Just like anything, you know, you only get the benefit once you've broken through to the next level. And actually for me, that happened in India with Tony Robbins. I, I was part of the Platinum Partnership. One of the things, great things Tony does is he puts you into immersion. So I was doing the 10 or 20 minutes before I went to India and then would meditating for hours and hours and hours. And then I get invited into this room with his energy worker called Donnie Epstein. And then I suddenly start th seeing things happen on a table, which I'm like, my whole mind was blown. And I was like, there's so much about the world that I don't know because I saw people healing in a, in a split second. And then I went and did a, a Vipassana, which is 10 days of meditation for 10 hours a day. It's 100 hours of meditation over a course of a week. And what that does is it starts to get deep into your subconscious and you start to access and deal and break through things that aren't even in your realm of possibility. Wow. Off the bat sounds intense, but I can't imagine if you do that kind of work. I mean, it's easy to see that on in the gym or, or something like that. You can kind of wrap your head around getting to that level in a gym, right? But internally with your mind and with, with your psyche and all of this stuff, it's, it's 
I can't imagine what you might discover if you were to do some of that work. Yeah, I mean, it's normal to me now. And so it's crazy for me to, for someone to be used to going to the gym, but when they're asked to close their eyes, they don't want to do it. Yeah, that's the most important discipline to have, which is your mind. That's the most important one beyond anything because that controls how you work out in a gym. It controls how you interact with the people around you. It, it impacts how you speak about yourself and, when, and how you speak about yourself. And if that's repeated positively enough, you're going to train new beliefs and, and therefore a new identity. So this is really for people who want to change, who want to grow, who want to be a different person. And for me, when I was in all of that pain, this is what I was saying to myself. I want to be a better version of me. I want to be a better version of me. I don't want to have this habit anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to have this happen in my life. I want to be a better Simon Lovell. So I needed to do whatever it took. And so then I was just invited to do things and I would take action. For example, I didn't want to jump out of a plane because I was scared of heights, but I did it and I called it the seven figure jump and I set an intention. I can't remember, but it was years ago now. And like a year after that, I made my first million dollars. So like intention is very important. And so I'm looking to do the things that are stretching my mind out of the norm. Yeah, I, I think about that myself and, and I, lo I do ask a lot of the guests on the show who, who dig into mindset in various ways about your success in business and in life generally isn't you know, a closing tactic or a funnel or a website or, or a sales quota or what have you. It has a way more to do with what's internal and you have seriously taken that to an amazing level, which is evident by what you've just told us and the enthusiasm that's in your voice. So I appreciate you sharing that with us today. Before we get to the last section of the show, because I want to respect the rest of your day, tell us quickly about the book, uh, The Black Ball, um, what we can learn in there and, and kind of what force or what helped you write that and where that all came from. So I was, I, I was basically in a 1.5 acre property in, in Carmel Valley, California. There was a Ferrari outside and I was like, I'm not happy. You know, I'm just still not like, wh my question was this, where am I leading people to? Like I have all of this and I'm like, I'm still not happy and fulfilled. And, um, I went to this house and I got invited to play these, uh, connection games. And in these games, you were basically, instead of just seeing, being opposite someone and saying, you know, how are you today? And it being very surface level, you would go much deeper because it's in that depth and going below surface level that you really start to gain a different level of connection with other people. So we got into a circle and in this game, it called anybody else because the book is called the blackboard is anybody else have a secret. You would get in a circle and you would step into the circle and you would say something like, I fear rejection. And because of that, I sabotage relationships. And then anyone else that felt the same way would step into the circle so that you didn't feel alone. Because a big thing that happens, especially with entrepreneurs, is that you put yourself in a mental box and you think that you're the only person going through the problem. So this is a very powerful exercise where people would step in and say, you know, I'm, I'm scared that my you know, partner won't reach their potential and I'm losing connection with them. Anybody else? And other people would step in, you know, or someone would step in and say, like, I have a porn addiction. And then someone else would step in to, you know, whatever. So, so it creates this, this feeling of I'm not alone, which is very, very important when it comes to uh, our, our evolving as, as humans. Um, and so someone, a, a guy stepped in and said something. And now by this time, I'd already invested $250,000 plus on personal development. And I was like, 
I can't step in. Like I li- I'm literally frozen. So he steps in and says something, but because I don't want to step in, it, it, get, it frustrates me because I've done all this work on myself. Like, why can't I even step in for this? This should be easy for me. And so uh, I told my housemate at the time, and I said, there's this thing I couldn't step in for. I didn't tell her what, tell her what it was. And then we went to play the final game in this Connection Games event called Hot Seat. And on the way to the sofa, I picked up a black ball. And it was a juggling ball. It was just a normal juggling ball that was in the house. And in this game, Hot Seat, you could ask mild, medium, or spicy questions. So this is like me, you asking me or me asking you, like, hit me, something, hit me with something really hard, like a question I ask a lot of people, which is what, is, what is a question that you just do not want me to ask you ever? Like that gets straight to the root of an issue of someone's biggest challenge. Just hit me with a question that you really don't want anyone to ask you. And there is something that we can work on. And so um, the hot seat game went on and I'm sat in the hot seat and I've got this ball in my hand and anyone can relate to this, which is if you, you know, for example, if you've got something on your mind, you might pick your fingers or you might do something because you're nervous. And so I've got this black ball in my hand and, uh, and my roommate said to me, and I'm sat in the hot seat, she said, so what was it that you didn't step in for? And I was like, oh, you got me, you know? And my heart's pounding and I'm sat in this chair with these people around me and I'm like, I don't know if I can say this. I don't know if I can do this. And I I held this ball in my hand and I said, when I was young, I basically made out with another guy. And this ball that was in my hand launched itself onto the floor and everyone was present with it. And you could have asked me any question at that point because I, I just let go of the thing that I was shameful about. I just spoke about the thing that I didn't want to tell anybody. And I, was, I, spelt, I spent all, the, all my time living a lie. There's this great quote, which is, um, depressed is the need for deep rest from the character that you're playing in the world. And it was a month after I shared the black ball, that I went through this massive spiritual awakening and I actually came home to myself. And then what would happen is I would tell the black ball story and people would come up to me and say, I've got to tell you what my black ball is. And there was this girl who was, she was uh, sexually assaulted at gunpoint in South Africa. And because of that, every time she went to speak up, or imagine if something's happened to you like that, and every time you go to do something, you're frozen because you can't put yourself out there because you're scared of speaking up because of this trauma that happened. Well, she ended up coming into one of my programs that I had. She ended up speaking in detail about this event that happened in her past. And she, used to, she didn't dye her hair because she got, went blood red every time she went to speak up. And when she shared her black ball story, the 30 years of this pain went instantly. And that's when I, it was after that, that story and that event of her being healed, literally from sharing the details, because you have to share the specific details. It was that moment that I felt I had to write the book. And that's why when people read the book, they say it liberates them but because of the stories of the people that are sharing the stuff. Because we're living in a world right now where authenticity is a real problem. People are afraid to be who they really are because they fear loss. They fear abandonment. They fear people won't uh, like them if they share their truth. And so then we live a lie. We basically are operating and we're being someone that we're not. And so, I, and so my black bull sharing and releasing that basically relief freed me. That is, if you want freedom, that's freedom. Yeah, man, that is a seriously powerful story. And I appreciate you sharing all of that with us. And, and that's a, probably the best uh, explanation for the origin of a book I've ever heard. And I, I'm compelled to go grab a copy as soon as we hang up this call. So 
thank you for for sharing that and for for putting that into written word for everyone to to check out. I'll obviously link to that down in the show notes. But like I said, we're getting to the end of the show. I want to respect the rest of your time. Uh, so I want to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. You've mentioned a couple and you obviously wrote one, but what book have you gifted most often? I think Byron Katie, uh, Loving What Is. It's the four questions. Is it true? Is it absolutely true? Who would you be without the thought? And turn the thought around. It's, it's, been, it's very good for basic mindset and helping people to get out of the negativity in their lives. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Wayne Dyer, because he is definitely the spiritual teacher who passed, definitely had the biggest impact on my life in terms of making me a better man. What is one thing that you believe that most people disagree with you on? Oh, that's a good one. Something around honesty. I think maybe like the black ball stuff, honestly, like that is like actually transformational where people would maybe move away from that because it's too difficult. But you only know that from having experienced it and being on the other side. And so that would be a belief that I think a lot of people would object against. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you, you like to start your day? So I switch from a, instead of a morning routine, I call it an energy routine because it's, I'm, I'm trying to maximize my energy because with positive energy, thoughts are different. So I wake up, so I wake up and then I meditate. So I always start my day feeling good. I don't start my work day until I'm in a place personally where I feel good. So I wake up and I meditate and I don't get out of my meditation until I feel good. Then I take my puppy Buddha for a walk without my phone. And then when I come back, then I'm ready to go and tackle what is, is ready for me for the day. And normally I put some content out because what I want to do is produce content before I consume content. Mm, very cool. Man, this has been really awesome. What is the best place online that the audience can connect with you? Uh, SimonLevel.com. And then if you could just add a slash black ball, you can download a free copy of the book. I just want as many people to read it as possible. So it's not a chapter, not free chapter. You get the whole PDF free. Beautiful. Simon, I appreciate that. I'll link up to uh, the simonlevel.com slash blackball down in the show notes so you can get your free copy there as well as some of your social stuff if you're on Instagram and all, or what have you. Uh, we'll connect there as well. Really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for everything you shared today. I truly appreciate it and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Take it easy. And that's a wrap. If you want to download Simon's book, The Black Ball, for free as a PDF, head over to simonlevel.com slash blackball. I just grabbed my copy uh, and you're going to want to do the same. Uh, and if you want to connect with me, uh, I'm down in the show notes at on Instagram at Chief Sna, as well as on hansstrazina.com. Uh, and if you get some value out of this, please leave it a rating and review on your podcast player of choice because it helps the show grow and gives me some crit critical feedback on how to keep getting better. So without any further ado, let's sign it off for today. This is Hans Struzina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.